Welcome to an explanation of the faith as it accompanies Luther's small catechism. The third article, part one. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. I believe. That I cannot believe. As fallen people, we are unable to find God on our own, let alone choose to entrust our lives to him. Which is harder to accept? That I choose to believe, or that I am brought to saving faith apart from my own efforts? Read Acts 9, 1-22 about Paul's conversion, and Acts 16, verses 13-15 about Lydia's conversion. What role did they each play in their conversion? As Christians, we confess that the Holy Spirit has made us new creatures, by bringing us to faith in Jesus Christ. Such faith is granted to our hearts by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. Question 186 how was I brought under the gracious lordship of Jesus? The Holy Spirit brought me to Jesus by bringing the promise of the gospel to me and by giving me faith in Christ through that gospel. John 6, verse 65. And he said, This is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Question 187 Why can I not come to faith in Jesus by my own reason or strength? A. Apart from the Holy Spirit, I am spiritually blind and dead, and thus cannot trust in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Ephesians 2 verse 1 And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. B. Apart from the Holy Spirit, I actively resist the gospel's call to faith in Christ. Acts 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Romans 8, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Galatians 5, verse 17. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Note. This is why Lutherans do not speak in terms like making a decision to accept Jesus, instead emphasizing the Holy Spirit's work of calling us and bringing us to faith through the gospel. When Jesus says, follow me, 
His word, by the Holy Spirit, has the power to turn us from our sin and to move us to trust him and follow after him. See Matthew 9 verse 9 and John 10 verses 27 and 28. Question 188. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel? Through the gospel, the Spirit both invites and enables me to believe by promising me a new life on the basis of Christ's death and resurrection. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 10 verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. 1 Peter 1 verses 23 and 25. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. This word is the good news that was preached to you. Ephesians 1 verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Read also John 17 verse 20, Acts 4 verse 31, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, and 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. The word of God does more than give information. It actually delivers what it says. Question 189. What does it mean that I am enlightened with his gifts? Christ is made known to me by means of the Spirit's gifts of the Word, Baptism, and the Lord's Supper, or the means of grace. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Note, the written and spoken word of the gospel and the sacraments are called the means of grace. Some of the passages that describe how the Holy Spirit uses these means include Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11, John 17 verse 20, Romans 10 verse 17, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, 1 Peter 1 verse 23, Titus 3 verse 5, John 20, verses 22 and 23, and Matthew 26, verses 27 and 28. Question 190. What does it mean to be sanctified by the Spirit? It means that He makes me holy. A. The Spirit first sanctifies me by bringing me to the Lord Jesus to receive His gifts through faith. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Hebrews 10 verse 10 And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. b. The Holy Spirit then sanctifies me by strengthening my faith and increasing its fruit within my life. He gives me new desires so that I strive to overcome sin and do good works. Psalm 51 verse 10 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Titus 2, verse 14. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Question 191. What are good works in God's sight? Our activities and works are good in God's sight when a. They flow from faith in Christ as children of God. Psalm 51 verses 12 and 13. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. John 15 verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come b. They are carried out within our callings according to the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Read Psalm 119 about the law's goodness. Mark 12, verses 41 to 44, about a widow's offering. Mark 14, verses 3 to 9, about expensive perfume poured on Jesus' head. And Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, the story of Mary and Martha. God places us within a network of relationships where we serve God through our neighbors. Christians are set free to serve those around them according to the stations in life they occupy. See Galatians 5 verse 1 and verses 16 to 24. Question 192. What does it mean to be kept in the true faith? Through his sanctifying word, the Holy Spirit continually directs my faith to God's works and his promises in Christ. John 8 verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Philippians 1 verse 6 I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1 verse 5 We, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Read Jude, verses 22 to 25. Question 193. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. He is one of the three persons within the Trinity. Question 194. Why do we confess the Holy Spirit as God? 
The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as the creator of the universe together with the Father and the Son. He has divine attributes and does divine works. For example, see Hebrews 9.14 and Titus 3 verse 5. Genesis 1 verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Psalm 104 verse 30. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Job 26 verse 13. By his spirit he adorned the heavens. Question 195. What is the special role of the Holy Spirit in our salvation? By the law of God, the Spirit brings people to repentance, and by the gospel, that is, the means of grace, he brings them to faith in Christ. We call this conversion or regeneration, new birth. Psalm 51 verse 13 Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. John 3 verses 5 and 6 Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Acts 26, verses 17 and 18. Jesus said, I am sending you, Paul, to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Question 196. Does the Holy Spirit want to bring everyone to faith in Jesus? Yes. The Spirit wants to create faith in everyone and bring them under the gracious Lordship of Jesus. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Question 197. Why do not all who hear the gospel believe in Jesus as their Lord? Many people reject the gospel and resist the Holy Spirit. Matthew 23 verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem! the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Acts 7 verse 51 You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Read Matthew 22 verses 1 to 10 or Luke 14, verses 16 through 24, where the guests are invited to the feast, but refuse to come. Question 198. Do people believe in Jesus because they decide to follow him of their own free will? No. All who come to faith do so because the Holy Spirit works faith in them. If some do not have faith, it is because they have rejected the Spirit.
John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 8. Therefore whoever disregards this, disregards not man but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Question 199. Did God determine in advance that he would not convert some people? No. While God chose some from eternity to be brought to faith, he did not select or predestine others to be unbelievers. This scriptural teaching about predestination is a mystery that defies human logic and understanding. Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Read Acts 13, verses 44-48. to 48. Who receives all the credit when people believe? The Lord does in his word. Who has to take the blame when someone rejects Jesus? The person who, in St. Paul's words, thrust it, God's word, aside. Verse 46. Those who are saved give God all the praise. Those who are condemned have only themselves to blame. Though this seems contradictory, it is what God's word teaches. Question 200. Can we be truly spiritual without the Holy Spirit in the gospel? No. Spirituality can have different meanings. For example, some refer to spirituality as enjoying nature or contemplating life's deeper meanings, which does not reflect that life is more than mere material reality. However, such spirituality, based on human contemplation and imagination, is unable truly to know God and His grace. Human reason, or contemplation, cannot figure out what God is, what He has in mind and does. Only the Holy Spirit, working through the Word, shows us the incarnate Son, and through Him the Father. Because God has revealed the truth about Himself in this way, only Christian faith in life is authentic spirituality. Only the Holy Spirit, through the means of grace, moves us to follow Jesus through this life to eternal life. John 1 verse 18 No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. John 3 verses 31 and 32 He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Romans 10 verse 17 So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 9 to 11 For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God, except the Spirit of God.
Read 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18-25, to Ephesians 3, verses 14-19, to and 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. The Third Article, Part 2 I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? Part 2 In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. This is most certainly true. God did not create us to live in isolation from one another. What do people today think about the church? Read Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. How is the church described here? As Christians, we confess that the Holy Spirit has brought us into a community we call the church, gathered in one faith, one mind, and understanding, with many different gifts. I should seek out those who also confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, for they are truly my brothers and sisters in Christ. Question 201. What did the Holy Spirit do when he brought me to faith? By means of the law of God, the Holy Spirit first convicts me of my sin and leads me to repentance, so that, working through the gospel and the sacraments, the means of grace, the Holy Spirit then brings me to faith in Christ and makes me a member of the church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Question 202. What is the church? It is the body of Christ, that is, all people whom the Spirit, by the means of grace, has gathered to Christ in faith throughout the world. John 10, verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Revelations 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Note, the creed in its original words speaks of the church as Catholic, universal. That is, existing throughout all time and throughout the world, including people who confess and believe in Jesus from every background. People and nation, Revelations 5.9. Another way to say this is to speak of the Christian church. While the word church, properly speaking, refers to all those who believe in Christ, it is also used in other ways, such as a building, a congregation, a denomination. The word church is used for such things because confessing Christians are found within them. Question 203. 
How is the church different from all other communities? A. Christ is the head of the church, and so it is called the Christian church. Colossians 1 verse 18. And he, Christ Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Ephesians 5 verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. B. The church is the only community in the world in which God daily and richly forgives my sins and the sins of all believers. Therefore it is called holy and the communion of saints. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. John 20 verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. C. Only the church is founded on the testimony of Jesus' apostles, whose witness to his teaching, work, and saving death and resurrection is preserved in the Holy Scriptures and to be proclaimed to all nations. Therefore, it is called apostolic. Acts 1 verses 1 and 2. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Ephesians 2 verses 19 and 20. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. D. Therefore the church is one, the only community in which there is salvation for it is the gathering of all who believe in Jesus Christ, who comes to them in his word and sacraments. Ephesians 4 verses 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Question 204. What is the forgiveness of sins? God promises that, for Christ's sake, he will not hold our many sins against us. Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Read Matthew 18 verses 23 to 35, where the king forgave the debts of his servant, and also Isaiah 1 verse 18, Micah 7 verses 18 and 19, and 1 John 2 verse 1. Question 205. Why does God forgive our sins? God forgives sins because he is merciful and because of Christ's atoning sacrifice for all sinners. Psalm 86 verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 1 verse 7.
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. 1 John 2, verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Question 206. How is it possible for a just and holy God to declare sinners righteous? Justification. God declares sinners righteous for Christ's sake. That is, our sins have been imputed or charged to Christ, the Savior, and Christ's righteousness has been imputed or credited to us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake he, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 3 verses 22 to 24. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 4 verse 25. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Note, when our sins were charged to Christ, he suffered the full penalty for them in our place. He rose again and now lives to all eternity in order to give us his righteousness. Both the passive and active obedience of Christ have been credited to us and are received through faith. Our righteousness before God is this. God forgives our sins out of pure grace, without any work, merit, or worthiness of ours preceding, present, or following. He presents and credits to us the righteousness of Christ's obedience. Romans 5 verses 17 to 19. Because of this righteousness, we are received into grace by God and regarded as righteous. Question 207. Where does God offer the forgiveness of sins? God offers the forgiveness of sins in the gospel. Luke 24 verses 46 and 47. Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Romans 1 verse 16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 In Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Question 208. How do I receive this forgiveness of sins? I receive this forgiveness through faith, that is, by believing the promise of the gospel. Genesis 15, verse 6. And he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. John 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Romans 3 verse 28 For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans 4 verse 5 And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Question 209. When my sins condemn me and I am doubting, how can I be sure of my forgiveness and salvation? I cannot and should not rely on myself in any way, my thoughts, feelings, words, or deeds. A. 
Rather, I can be sure because God, who has promised the forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake, always keeps his promises. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. B. I can be sure because Jesus has shed His precious divine blood for my forgiveness and the forgiveness of all sinners, a sacrifice of infinite worth acceptable to God. There is nothing left for me to do or add. Jesus' blood has cleansed me from all my sins. John 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Hebrews 10, verses 12 to 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. See, I can be sure because God tells me that I am his and my sins are forgiven, as the gospel is declared to me in the spoken word, in baptism, in the absolution, and in the Lord's Supper. These words and promises of Christ are sure and certain, no matter how I feel or how badly I have fallen short of righteousness. This gospel is more than simple information. It actually delivers to us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus. Acts 2 verse 38 And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. John 20, verses 22 and 23. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Matthew 26, verse 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. D. I can be sure because God assures me in Scripture that He has chosen me in Christ, out of pure grace, to inherit life, and that no one can snatch me out of His hand. Election of Grace John 10, verses 27 and 28 My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Romans 8, verses 28 to 30 and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. This teaching, the election of grace, gives no one a cause either for despair or for a shameless loose life. By this teaching, people are taught that they must seek eternal election in Christ and in his holy gospel, as in the book of life. This excludes no penitent sinner, but beckons and calls all poor, heavy-laden and troubled sinners to repentance and the knowledge of their sins. It calls them to faith in Christ and promises the Holy Spirit for purification and renewal. It gives the most enduring consolation to all troubled, afflicted people, so that they know their salvation is not placed in their own hands. But salvation is in God's gracious election, which he has revealed to us in Christ, out of whose hand no person shall snatch us. See John 10, verse 28, and 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Question 210. Why must we firmly maintain this teaching of forgiveness, the doctrine of justification by grace, for Christ's sake, through faith? We must firmly hold to this teaching because it is the most important Christian doctrine. This teaching distinguishes the Christian faith from all other religions, since they teach salvation by works. This teaching alone gives enduring comfort to penitent sinners and all glory to God for His grace and mercy in Christ Jesus. Acts 4 verse 12 And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. Romans 3 verses 21 to 25 But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. Galatians 5 verses 4 and 5 You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Revelations 1, verses 5 and 6 To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Read also Romans 5, verses 1 through 14. Our churches teach that people cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works. People are freely justified for Christ's sake, through faith, when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. By his death, Christ made satisfaction for our sins. God counts this faith for righteousness in his sight. Question 211. Where can I find the church within the world? How do I recognize the church? Even though I cannot see the church as a community of believers, I can see identifying characteristics, also called marks, of the church. Question 212. What are the identifying characteristics of the church? The identifying marks that guarantee the presence of the church are the pure proclamation of the gospel 
and the right administration of the sacraments. Where these are, the Spirit creates faith. God's word of promise is sure and does what it says. Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Romans 10 verse 17 So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16 The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Matthew 18 verse 20 For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Question 213. What are some other outward indications that the church is present? Such things as gatherings for prayer and worship, the fruits of faith, and the suffering for Christ also serve as good outward indications that the church is present without guaranteeing it. The church also uses the office of the keys to rebuke and to forgive sins, as well as to consecrate ministers to preach and teach on behalf of all. John 13 verse 35 By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8 Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Acts 2, 42 and 43 And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Romans 12 verse 14 Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Question 214 What is the mission of the church on earth? The church's mission is to confess and proclaim the forgiveness of sins for Jesus' sake. 1. By preaching the word, administering the sacraments, sending missionaries, and establishing new congregations, and two, by the daily witness of the baptized children of God, his royal priesthood. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Read Acts 8, 26-35, where Philip witnessed to the eunuch, and Acts 4, verses 23-30, where Christians prayed for the gospel to be proclaimed. 
See also Acts 8 verse 1 and verse 4, Acts 13 verse 2, 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Within his or her vocations in life, every Christian has the duty to speak the gospel to others. Question 215. What are some of the privileges and responsibilities of members of the church? A. We should regularly receive the word and sacraments within the community of believers. John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. B. We should belong to congregations that confess and teach the pure word of God. Acts 17, 11. Now these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. C. We should beware of and avoid false teachings, false teachers, and organizations that promote false teaching. Matthew 7 verses 15 and 16. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Galatians 1 verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Romans 16 verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions, and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery that deceive the hearts of the naive. 1 John 4 verse 1 Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. d. We should tell others about Jesus participate in the works of mercy and service, and support the ministry of the church with prayer and financial gifts. John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Luke 10, verse 2. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Galatians 6, verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Read Peter's words in Acts 2, verses 17 to 39, and about supporting the ministry in Philippians 4, verses 16 to 19. 
Read also 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to see how St. Paul was collecting money for the poor saints in Jerusalem so that all might see that the church is one. Question 216. What are some of our responsibilities towards other Christians and church bodies? A. We should continually pray for all fellow Christians and work with them whenever possible to alleviate human suffering. B. We should seek to prevent and heal sinful divisions between Christians and between church bodies that result from human opinions, economic status, race, ethnicity, tribe, caste, and so forth. C. We should express the unity of the church by practicing altar and pulpit fellowship with those church bodies with whom we have a with whom we have come to share a common confession of faith based on the word of God. D. When we experience disagreement with other Christians regarding the word of God, we should not pretend that these divisions are unimportant, nor give a false witness of unity by communing together. E. We should lament doctrinal disunity among Christian churches, and earnestly engage others in conversation with the sincere hope we can be reconciled and again commune together. F. We should ask God to heal the divisions that exist within the church today, that we might one day express our unity in the faith, even as we are united with Christ. Ephesians 4 verses 3 to 6. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. John 17 verses 17 to 21 Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. G we should live in forgiveness with everyone around us, readily forgiving those who sin against us, especially those in our family and church, Luke 23, verse 34, and quickly ask for the forgiveness of others, Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Question 217. Will the church always exist? Yes, the Holy Spirit will preserve the church and keep it with Christ until he returns, Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 28, verse 20. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. John 17, verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Question 218. Should I expect the church's life to be one of continual peace and harmony? A. No, not in this life. I can't expect the church in the present age to be locked in a continual struggle with Satan 
as he lashes out desperately against Christ's people, the church militant. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials which come upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. B. In the end, yes, I can expect the church to celebrate the final victory over Satan and the forces of darkness when Christ returns. The church triumphant. Isaiah 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Revelation 7, verse 17. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelations 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. The Third Article, Part 3 I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? Part 3 On the last day he will raise me and all the dead, and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. All people yearn for a better future and hope that things in their lives and in the world will improve. What sort of future do people today hope and long for? Read Acts 24 verses 14 to 21. For what did Paul claim he was on trial? What was his hope? As Christians, we yearn for the resurrection of the body and life eternal in the new heavens and new earth, the time when we will be perfectly pure and holy people, free from sin, death, and all evil, in a new, immortal, and glorified body. How might our hope of the resurrection affect the way we view suffering within this world? Question 219. What will happen when Jesus returns visibly? God will raise me and all the dead. Job 19, verses 25 to 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. John 5, verses 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Read Daniel 12, verse 2, and 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 56. Question 220. What will my resurrected body be like? Jesus will raise my body and transform it into a glorified body for eternal life in the new creation. Philippians 3, verse 21. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 and 43. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Question 221. What will happen on the last day to those who have rejected Christ, the unbelievers? Unbelievers will also rise bodily, but to eternal death, namely to shame and torment in hell forever. Isaiah 66 verse 24. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Matthew 10 verse 28 And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 25 verse 41 Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Read Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, about the rich man and Lazarus. Question 222. Why do people die? Death is the terrible consequence of sin. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Question 223. What happens to me as a Christian when I die? When I die, the God-given unity of my body and spirit will be broken. I will immediately be in the presence of Christ in heaven, but my body will remain in the grave until the resurrection. Philippians 1 verses 23 and 24. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Philippians 3 verse 20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. 2 Timothy 4 verse 18 the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Luke 23, verse 43. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. John 17, verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, 
to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Note, the Bible refers to heaven as both the sky and the dwelling place of God and the holy angels in 1 Kings 8 verse 30. Heavens and earth describe the entire created universe, Genesis 1.1. God dwells in heaven, Genesis 24.7 and Deuteronomy 26.15, far beyond us and our ability to comprehend. Thus, heaven remains a great mystery until we are united with Christ. What we know with confidence is that in heaven God hears our prayers and sees our needs. 1 Kings 8, verses 30-51, Genesis 21, verse 17, and Matthew 6, verse 9, and that he sent his Son from heaven for our salvation. John 6, verse 38. Because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, he now promises all who trust in him that death has no power over us, and we will be with him in his heavenly dwelling. John 14, verses 2 and 3, Luke 23, 43, Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 7, 2 Timothy 4, verse 18, Hebrews 11, verse 16. The Roman Catholic teaching of purgatory is that there is a state or condition after death for souls to be purified for entrance into heaven. It is thought to apply only to believers who need cleansing from the penalty of their sins. This teaching is contrary to scripture and the gospel. Question 224. What will happen to me when I am raised from the dead on the last day? I will enjoy being with Christ in his new creation, in body and soul, forever. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Question 225. What will happen to this world after we Christians are raised from the dead? The present creation, like our own bodies, will be set free from its bondage to corruption, and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Romans 8 verses 19 to 23. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. James 1 verse 18 Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Revelation 21 verse 5 And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Question 226 What will the new creation be like? The new creation is described in ways that are both familiar and mysteriously unfamiliar. The Bible describes a new heaven and a new earth. In terms much like creation was before the fall, 
but entirely new and also different in certain ways. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 But according to his promise we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Isaiah 65 verses 17 and 18 For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness. Revelation 21 verse 1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Revelation 22 verse 3 and 5 No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign for ever and ever. Matthew 22 verse 30 For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Isaiah 60 verses 19 and 20 The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Read Second Peter 3 verses 5 to 13 where Peter compares the end-time cleansing of the creation by fire with the cleansing of the earth by the flood in Noah's day. In Revelation 21, verses 1-5, to John describes the new heaven and the new earth as the new Jerusalem. Question 227. Do we know when all this will take place? A. No, we do not know when the last day will come. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. B. Although we do not know when the last day will come, we know that we are currently living in the last days of the world and should be watchful for Christ's coming. Mark 13, verses 3 to 8. Peter and James and John and Andrew ask him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. Mark 13, verses 35 to 37. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Question 228. What will happen on the last day? On this great and glorious day when Christ returns, all these things will take place. A. Jesus will visibly appear in glory with his angels. 
Matthew 25, verse 31. B. The kingdoms of this world will give way to the everlasting reign of Christ, and human history will come to an end. Revelation 21, verses 23 and 24. C. The dead will be raised, the bodies of all believers, those who were alive and those who were raised from the grave, will be glorified. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. D. Christ will judge all people. Matthew 25, 31-46. E. Satan will be vanquished and banished forever. Revelation 20, verse 10. F. The current creation will be cleansed by fire, and the heavens and earth will be made new again. 2 Peter 3, verses 7-13. G. We will be reunited with all those who have died in faith. Revelation 7, verse 9. H. There will be a great feast with unending rejoicing. Revelation 19, verses 6-9. I. We will see God, and God will dwell with us forever. Revelation 21, verse 3, and 22, verse 4. Question 229. What are some false teachings about the end of time and life everlasting? A. Millennialism typically teaches a literal thousand-year visible reign of Christ on earth before the final judgment, not recognizing that the scriptures often use numbers symbolically. Lutherans and most Christian churches understand the thousand-year reign of Christ in Revelation 20 verses 4 to 6 as a symbolic reference to Christ's reign over his church on earth from his ascension until the last day. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52. B. Rapture teaching claims that the thousand-year reign follows a secret return of Christ when believers are caught up in the air and removed from the earth. This turns the simple, comforting hope of Christ's second coming, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 to 18, into complicated stages, which is contrary to 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1 to 3, Hebrews 9 verses 27 and 28, and John 5 28 and 29. It denies that believers will suffer Satan's tribulations, contrary to Matthew 24 verse 9 and Acts 14 verse 22. And it claims that those who reject Christ will have a second chance to achieve salvation during an earthly reign, which is contrary to Luke 16 verses 27 to 31 and Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15. C. Reincarnation is the belief of some philosophers and religions that when people die, they are reborn in other bodies or in a series of other bodies. The doctrine of reincarnation is contrary to the biblical promise of the resurrection of our bodies at the return of Christ. See John 5, 28 and 29, John 11, verse 24, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 53, and Hebrews 9, 27. Thank you for listening to the explanation of our Christian faith as found in Luther's small catechism, brought to you by St. Luke's Lutheran Church in Oviedo, Florida. This podcast is from Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation, copyright 1986-2017, copyright 1986 Concordia Publishing House. Used with permission, all rights reserved. Purchase a print copy of Luther's Small Catechism with Explanation. Please contact CPH at 800-325-3040 or visit them at cph.org.